0: Um, Rob as he's just indicated asked me to tell my story um, I don't know what he meant by that when he said it then but it's not all of my story because you haven't got time for that it's the aspect of my story uh, of one particular healing physical healing but is um, going to have to humour me for a minute now because I'm going to ramble a bit first <laughs> Because in the earlier part of the meeting, I just felt certain things coming through the airwaves to me. And I just want to kind of say something about that. Um, When I tell this story of my healing, there's a lot of people who think, great, that's marvelous, that's amazing, praise God. But those things don't happen for me. There are some people that don't believe in healing. They don't believe that God heals today. They don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I would not think that anyone here is in that category, if you like. But they don't believe that the gifts are for today because for them, we've got this, the perfect word of God, that is here now and that's all we need. And of course, this is important. Um, But for me, I'm one of these people that believes that Because of what Jesus has done, and we heard um, something about that first thing, about the curse having been lifted, we were all under a curse. We were all destined to walk in the empty ways of our forefathers. There are things in our family lines that we were destined to walk in and behave in that same manner. We were under a curse, the curse of our sin and many other aspects. We were under things that held us in chains. We sang a song, my chains are gone. We were in chains. But because Jesus came at just the right time, he set us free from all of that. And he opened a way between us and our father whereby he broke the power of that curse, lifted us out of that curse, broke away things from us that are the empty ways of our forefathers, broke away from us the things that are in our family line, made us to be a new creation. If you were baptized, you went into a pool and you signified when you went under the water that you died with Christ. The old you finished. The one that was under the curse left, buried at the bottom of the pool. And you rose again, a new creation in Christ. Free from curse because of what Jesus done. And that opened up a way for you to have a relationship with God whereby you can ask him to do Many things in your life, and you will have known answered prayer. Uh, A man stood here and talked about promotion, answered prayer. Mm -hmm. And we pray these things because we have relationship with our God, the Father. He's our Father. And for me, I can come to God and ask for healing on the basis that he's opened away as the Father, whereby I can ask him for some of my inheritance to come in the now. So I don't believe that I have a guaranteed healing because of the curse being broken. But I do believe that I'm guaranteed that as a child of the Father, he will hear me and he answers prayer. And I do believe that sometimes he lets us experience something of what is to come. You know, in that day when it says there'll be no more crying and no more pain and no more tears and no more death, we can experience something of that in the now. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because healing is based upon that, in my opinion. Something of the not yet to come in our now. And that's what he does for us. He lets us experience something of the not yet in our now. But there are things that are guaranteed now you can no longer, you can guarantee that you no longer have to be under the curse. If you're struggling with things, the things that are constant, habitual things that you keep falling in, you do not need to be under the curse of those things. It is a guaranteed thing that that can be broken. And I just felt as someone read that passage out this morning about the curse being gone, there are some of you who feel, well, actually, I feel as if I'm cursed. And we're going to pray about that at the end. We're not just going to pray for physical healing, we're going to pray for curses to be lifted. And you know what? Those are definite. And then we were talking about. Chains falling off. And for some of us, we struggle with things, ways of thinking. We struggle with things, ways of behaving and so on. And they're like a chain. We do not have to keep hold of the same thinking patterns. Those chains can be broken. Those chains can be lifted. You now part of my story is that I was set free from things that just ruled in my thinking. God set me free, and he set me free not so that one day I went f- I went from that to that, but he set me free to choose to think differently. And I just felt this morning that some of you feel as if you've still got chains on you because you feel unable to start thinking differently. You feel unable to change your mindset. You know, it says in Romans that um, we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We can have a different mindset. And then when we heard Ruth stand here and talk about being jubilee and all that that means, you know, when we hear a prophetic word, what can often happen is, that sounds marvelous, that sounds brilliant, that's great. But then we don't take it in and we don't kind of pray about it and go after it and keep asking God to make that alive and real in our lives, we kind of let it go. You know, the the young man who talked about having the word about promotion, 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 he didn't think much about it. But God in his mercy gave him that anyway. But sometimes we have these words about a jubilee and there's freedom for us and there's restoration and there's renewal and all the things that Ruth referred to. And it's like there's a chasm between... The words that she's saying and what we're feeling in our heart. And what I want us to close that chasm today. I want it to become reality in our hearts. I want to read something to you from Luke. And if I've done this before, I'm sorry, but I'm doing it again. And I will tell you my testimony in a minute. This is what Jesus said. But actually. It's what I'm going to say to you, because he's passed the baton unto you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, because he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed And to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord. Jesus said that about himself. But then he's passed it on to you. To you. He is anointing you. To preach the gospel to the poor. To proclaim release to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. And he's quoting there from Isaiah. And he talks about how. He, is the suffering servant, took away our sorrows and our cares. All these things that were the empty ways of our forefathers. He broke the curse. And now he's passed the baton on to you to set the captives free. But in order to set the captives free, you have to have experienced something of that yourself. It's not just, right, it says it, therefore I declare it. He wants you to experience that. So if you're feeling captive, if you're feeling in chains, if you're feeling there's still an element of curse on your life, we are going to speak to that later. And there is a definite, in this moment, a setting free. But in that that he did, in carrying away our sorrows, he opened a way where we can also ask him for the healing of our bodies. So we're going to pray for that as well. Okay? Finish me ramble. <laughs> um, so these are my props, by the way, in case you're wondering why I brought the dustbin bag. <laughs> <laughs> so um, growing up wasn't so good. Um, a lot of beatings. And um, as a result, I got poor health in my teens and into my early 20s. And as a young adult, began to experience uh, problems in my neck. Some lady over here talked about having shoulder pain. Well, I started with shoulder pain and neck pain, and my neck locking up, and all this kind of thing. Um, sort of 20 ish onwards so I was given one of these to wear a soft collar People, many people have seen these many people may have worn these and I wore that for quite a while had various physio sessions and so on but the thing was getting worse progressed Um Like a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? So it progressed until I had to wear one of these and earned the nickname Brassneck because of something that was on the TV at the time. And this began a session or a season of life where my head was held up by this on a daily basis. And um, I had much prayer during that time and seemingly nothing happened. And I say seemingly because I believe that when God did move, every one of those prayers was answered in a moment. So if you're praying for healing and it's been going on a long time, every one of those prayers counts. It talks about the prayers of the saints being stored up in a bowl. They're stored up. So don't stop praying. And the Bible talks about persistence and keeping on praying. You know, you read parables about the persistence winning through and gaining what is being asked for, even when people have not wanted to give it. But God is an abundant giving God. But yes, I carried on and I was wearing that for a while. And then I've begun by now to experience problems further down in my spine and in my legs. My legs are beginning to either give way and have no feeling or... It would be very, very painful to walk, and eventually it was discovered that um, well it wasn 't discovered for a while, but my spine was was not good, so I started wearing a this beast, which is a bit grotty looking now, but it 's because I wore it for four years um Oops. So I had to put this on in bed every morning before I could get out of bed. And then I had to t- take it off after I got in bed at night. And I wore it for four years in total. And this when I was up and about. So I was held up by these things. And that was my life. And I gradually became more and more disabled. I lost the use of my right leg. Uh, it was totally dead. And I used to kind of put my weight on my left left side, and drag this leg. So um, I was beginning to develop scoliosis of the spine in a ter- terms of a sideways tilt. But they eventually discovered that my spine was broken in three places and had um, one part, in one part, the disc that was coming protruding had severed the nerve down my right leg, which is why I couldn't feel it i got subsidiary problems with bladder and bowel and, you know, gynae kind of problems as well, just because of all the mess that my spine was in. So I wore this for, um, for about three and a half years to start with, and then the doctors decided that they needed to stabilise my spine before I lost the use of my left leg because the Bits and pieces in the spine were moving where they shouldn't move and pressing on nerves and this kind of thing. And the pain level was very, very high. So they wanted to reduce the pain level and stabilize the spine so that um, I didn't get any worse, basically. They didn't feel they could make it better, but they felt they could stop it getting worse. So they did an operation. It was a huge operation at that point in time. It's around 30 years ago now and um, they took some bone from the back of my hip bone and they removed all the damaged pieces of of the spine. And for this I'll have to get a little bit technical. Those knobbly bits on the back of your spine are called facet joints, the little tiny hook-type bits. Well, they removed all those from the what's called the lumbar spine, which starts about here in your back. They removed all the knobbly bits or the facet joints, removed the damaged parts. They put uh, pins up through any uh, sound bone and they wrapped around it this bone graft from the hip. And the idea is the bone graft kind of grows all around that area and forms a solid bone so that Thereafter, your spine looks more like a stick of bamboo. It no longer has movable joints in that section. So um, after quite a difficult time having the operation, I came through that, carried on wearing this cast for some months whilst the fusion took. And it was a very good fusion, they agreed. Um, So I saw an X-ray with my um, spine like a stick of bamboo this, of course, meant that from now on I can't bend down only by bending the knees, which is how you're supposed to bend anyway, okay? (laughs) That's how you're supposed to bend, but obviously most of the time we don't. Um, It was successful in that the pain level was lowered quite a lot um, and they felt that they'd managed to stabilise things. Um, But they were still saying that by the age of 40 I would probably be in a wheelchair this point in time, I was 31. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, why is she telling us an old story? Well, I will explain that one, because it's not an old story. It's a new every morning story. Um, For me, it's a fresh everyday story. So I uh, went back to my life as it was. I didn't get out of the house very much. I had a friend that came in twice a week to wash my hair. And my loving husband would sit me on a special seat over the bath and using the shower head would go into, um, jet wash mode in order to clean me up. And, um, basically from time to time I got a bit of help with housework because I couldn't do anything. I couldn't use the vacuum cleaner or anything like that. So life went on like this. And then, um, some time after that, what was actually happening in church life was that God was giving me words of healing for um, illnesses and I was managing to get to the front of the meeting. For me to get from the back to the front was, would take quite a while because I could, couldn't walk very well. They would kind of hobble through like this, give this word of knowledge, pray for somebody and see them miraculously healed and then kind of hobble back to my seat. Which also says that just because you're ill does not mean that you shouldn't pray for the sick. Yeah, if you're struggling with something, it doesn't discount you from from the commission to pray for the sick. But uh, as a result, I wanted to learn more about praying for the sick. A number of us did, and John Wimber came to town. Uh, many of you will have heard of John Wimber. He um, really kind of put a thrust on the whole healing ministry in the UK uh, from about the middle of the 80s onwards. And he had a conference in our local city hall and I and others went to that. And at this conference, um, I went with a friend every day, every meeting. She was called Mavis and she was also disabled. She'd had a stroke. And her arm was kind of permanently like that. Um, Although in every other respect she'd got better. She could talk and walk and everything. But her arm was kind of like that. So she and I went to this with her husband and we sat in the section for the disabled. So if you imagine a huge hall, 4,000 people Um, on the ground and a balcony, and then that section there would have been for the disabled, and that's where we sat every meeting. And the conference was called Signs and Wonders and Church Growth. And it was four days, including the evening, so it was very tiring. And halfway through the week, People were beginning to grumble, you oh, know, we've not seen any signs and wonders yet. do mm, don't think much to this. Not seeing any signs and wonders yet. We are a very faith filled people, aren't we? We choose to have more faith in the enemy, we choose to have more um ability to grumble and pull down and be in unbelief than we do in faith sometimes, and that's where we all were. <laughs> but um one particular meeting I was very, it was halfway through the week, the evening meeting and we'd been there all day. We'd gone home for a meal and now it was time to go back. And I was just physically exhausted. And Mavis came and I wasn't going to go, but they talked me into going. As soon as we got inside the building, I felt a lightness came upon me. And my tiredness just evaporated. And as my tiredness evaporated, I had this, just this inner sense that we were going to see something happen tonight. And I convinced myself that it was going to be Mavis. You know, I don't know why I did that, but I convinced myself I was going to see Mavis heal. And I said to Mavis, Mavis, we are going to see a miracle tonight. And she got all excited. I didn't tell her I thought it was her, but all evening I was watching her. Keeping my eye on her, but what also happened from the beginning of the meeting was I started having some very physical experiences, and it started with a sensation of someone going like this up and down my spine from the top to the bottom, and then again and um you have to understand I could not turn because my spine. Is fused, so I had to kind of go like that. And incidentally, I missed the fact that by this time I'd got better enough from the operation to come out of that and into this marvellous piece of Victorian looking corsetry. It has pieces of steel. In the sides that give quite a lot, but each side of the spine was one of these, and these they kind of have a slight twang in them, but they will not bend over, okay. And those came out for when you washed it. I've been in this for a few weeks now. And so I've got this thing on and I'm fused. So if I want to turn around and look, I have to kind of go like that. (laughs) And um, anyway, there's nobody doing this to me. That's odd. And then I started feeling a real heat. At the base of my neck, where quite a lot of problems were, and in the site of the operation, in my back, um, it got hotter and hotter and hotter. It wasn't unpleasant. It felt as if you could have fried an egg on it, but it felt more like when I'd had heat treatment at the hospital, in the physio sessions. It didn't feel uncomfortable. So this was building up through the first part of the meeting, Purely physical sensations. And all the time I kept thinking, I wonder what's happening to my back. Now, sometimes I'm quite thick. It takes a long time for the penny to drop. So the penny has not dropped. And um, the meeting carried on and then it had a a tea break, um, coffee break. So people went for the coffee break. Mavis and her husband went for the coffee break, but I didn't want to move because whatever these sensations were, they felt quite therapeutic and I didn't want them to stop. So I stayed exactly where I was until everybody came back. When Mavis came back, she said to me, do you really think we're going to see a miracle tonight? And I said, yes, Mavis. Um, But her arm was still like this. Um, And then Wimber spoke for a while and while he was speaking, These sensations were getting stronger and stronger, and then I started feeling like someone is pushing my insides around. And I knew nobody was doing that because I could see. (laughs) And then it felt like I'd got pins and needles in my right um, thigh, which felt really strange, a bit like when you've kind of accidentally laid on yourself and it's gone dead, and then you get pins and needles. It felt like that. And then we've reached the point in the meeting where Wimber says, now we are going to do the stuff. And doing this stuff meant we are going to pray for one another. And so he decided to get people uh, who were in pain in any way to stand up. So he said, to, right, anywhere across the hall, if you're in pain, stand up. Well, of course, this section for the disabled, a good proportion of those people are in pain. So quite a large proportion of this section stood up. And he was getting people to be in groups around people to pray for them. And I don't quite know what happened, but I ended up where no one was stood with me and I wasn't able to get to anyone. So I was on my own. So I thought, well, it doesn't matter. I can pray anyway. So I closed my eyes and I started praying. And then I went into kind of, where I just wasn't there really. I was um, having a good time, speaking in tongues, praying to God, totally oblivious to what was going on around me. If you like, I'd been kind of lifted up to a higher place. So the next little chunk is what other people told me. Other people told me that while I'm like that, um, Wimber said, you are to look for what the Spirit of God is doing and you are to go and pray for them. So he said, for instance, that lady there pointing to me, God's doing something, the spirit's doing something, pray for her. You people around her, pray for her. So while I'm like this, oblivious to everything, the people around me who are all disabled are all turned to pray for me. And I'm like this for a lot for a long time. But eventually To use the phrase, I came back to earth, I kind of stopped praying and opened my eyes and then I'm eye to eye with a man who, whatever his disability was, it caused his face to be down here at one side and he slurred his speech. But he said to me, God has healed your back. And I kind of looked at him and I thought, how do you know I've got a bad back? I've never met the man before. And then secondly, I thought, well, actually, something's been happening all night. With the dawning realisation that I'd been stood up for a very long time. Now, I couldn't stand for longer than about five minutes before I had to sit down again. And then I'd sit for about ten minutes and get fidgety. It was very difficult with either. But I'd been stood there for a long time. And then a third thought came into my head which was based on some time earlier when I'd asked for prayer um, and people were a little bit fed up with praying for me by now and this person had they'd prayed for me and then said the thing is Ginny you just don't have faith to be healed so it's not going to happen now let me say it's not based on your faith. Your healing is not based on your faith. It's based on God and what he wants to do and what he has done already. But that particular occasion, that had upset me. I'd prayed about that. I'd asked God for the faith. And then God had brought me through to the place where I thought, no, I think I think that's not right, what he said. And I went back to him and said, I don't think that's right. I think I have got the faith to be healed. And when he does, I will bend down and touch my toes. I never said if, but I didn't realize at the time that I'd never said if. And when I said to this man, and when he does, I will bend down and touch my toes, the man had said to me, well, that's ridiculous. God does not do the unreasonable. You have got a few spine. There's pins in it. It's solid bone. You can't bend down anymore. He'd seen an operation like this in the course of his work. And for him, it was unreasonable and impossible. And I, and I just said, said, well, that's what I feel, that when he does, I'll bend down and touch my toes. So I'm stood there. I'm looking at this man thinking, how do you know I've got a bad back? And thinking something's happened all night. And then the next thought was me remembering that I'd said, and when he does... I will bend down and touch my toes so we were in cinema style seats that tip up I thought there's only one thing for it so I got out the seat and went down like that and touched my toes and then my brain stayed on the floor somewhere laughter <laughs> And I thought I was saying to my friend Mavis, look at this, I can't do this, whilst continuing to bend down and bend down and bend down. But actually, actually my friend Mavis told me afterwards, you were shouting at the top of your voice. And I was just going down and down and down, saying on and on and on. And all I could say was, look at this, I can't do this. Look at this, I can't do this. And I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And I was shouting, which I didn't realise. I think it must have been the shock or something. And then I found myself on the platform, and I still don't know how I got on the platform, but obviously somebody kind of veered me towards the platform, because the whole place had stood still to find out what the fuss was all about in that corner down there. So I wound up on a platform like I am now, and John Wimber He's got, he was a bit more portly then, and he's got his microphone, and he's going, tell us why you can't do this. Tell us why you can't do this. <laughs> and eventually it seeped into my head, yes, he doesn't know why I can't do this. So I've stopped bending down and I'm trying to tell him now, and I've started my story. Um, I didn't get very far, because I started talking about... I started from the point that I have a jacket on because, and then part of my brain thought, you can't have got a jacket on. It kind of at that point had escaped my notice that my back is fused, I've got pins in it, it won't bend. It's like my brain can't handle that. But now it's trying to process the fact that I've got a jacket on with these at either side of my spine. So I stopped my story and he's kind of waiting and I'm thinking, trying to process in my head, well, maybe he didn't put it on this morning. And then the other part is saying, yes, I did, because I've got to have it on every day. So I'm having this conversation with myself in my head, trying to think, well, how can I be doing it? And how can I be doing it with this on? And he's waiting for the rest of the story. And I had to convince myself, you know, that this was on my body. So in front of 4,000 people, and I'm not going to do this, <laughs> I lifted my jumper up in front of 4,000 people because I had to see that I'd got this on. And when I did see that I'd got this on, I didn't know. I couldn't think straight anymore. You know, it was like, how come I'm up here and what you doing here and where am I? <laughs> um Anyway, they obviously realised they weren't going to get any sense out of me, so they dispatched me quickly down the steps. (laughs) And um, I went down the steps, incidentally, and a lady in that section that had got multiple sclerosis and was in a wheelchair, we'd prayed for her the night before, and nothing had happened. I came down the steps, and I looked at her, thinking, if God can do this for me, he can do it for her. And she saw me looking at her and she said, you want to pray for me again, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. So I went to pray with her and one of the team members came to join me in that prayer. And before we left that building that night, this lady was running around the building. I went home. I kept people up while late or got them out of bed. Ringing them up to tell everybody I knew that, you know, I mean, I don't think Stuart could quite take it in because he wasn't there, he was at home babysitting. And uh, I got up the next morning, bladder and bowel problems, no sign of them, used the toilet normally, got myself showered, got my own hair washed, got myself dressed. Uh, got my little girl, who had not been able to lift up since she was nine months old, and now she's nearly four, lifted her up, carried her, got her dressed, got the vacuum cleaner out, did a spring clean from the top of the house to the bottom, and then decided, right, I'm going to go and tell my GP now. And went to tell my GP, and the number of people I met along the way, and I couldn't stop bending down all along the road. <laughs> Look at this, I can't do this. Well, as I said, that was 31 years ago. Everything came back. Full use of my right leg, my foot, everything, my toes, I could do everything with it. Everything normalised in terms of my mobility and everything I could do. On x-rays, however, everything looked exactly the same. The fusion still looked good. I had to have an x ray a few years later because I fell on some ice and they wanted to check it because at first it was quite painful. They checked it. They said, Yep, yeah, the pins are still in place. This is still looking good. Don't worry, you've not damaged anything. And life carried on. And I've, I tell you, it's an everyday story, a fresh story every day because every day I bend down in the course of everything I do and I don't think about it. Every day I've had this fused spine and I've not been able to it's not stopped me doing anything Um, so for me it's an everyday story the update is um, November 2015 just over a year ago I fell down the stairs and um, I stood up alright and everything but realised that I got a pain in the bum, and that lasted quite a while, and I had to go to the doctors, and he said, it sounds like you've kind of either broken the coccyx bone or something like that. So I went for some treatment, and in fact, that's what I'd done. I'd not broken it, but I'd put it out of joint. But because of that, they did a scan on my whole spine, from the top to the bottom just to make sure I'd not damaged anything because all this history and there started when the results came through rather consternation for all these doctors because (laughs) um, the report back that was written by the consultant radiologist who happens to be in our church (laughs) was that Um, there is no sign on this back other than two pins that are not going anywhere there is no sign of any surgery having ever been done on this back (laughs) the um, the fusion where it had all been solid there's no sign of any bone fusion All the facet joints are present that had been taken away. And the pins that were right up through the whole spine are just there, one at each side of my spine, doing nothing. Um, And the pins are the only sign, he said, that that back has ever had anything done to it. He said, in fact, I will go as far as to say this is the back of a young person. But... In saying that, what he doesn't realise is that 30 years ago when I was told I would be in a wheelchair before I'm 40, then I was told I got the back of an old woman. <laughs> um, so I went to my GP. I went everywhere to try and get evidence because the consultant today was convinced I had not had a book spinal fusion and convinced of various other aspects that didn't happen because it's all normal, apart from the bit that he had to attend to from falling on it. Um, So I went to my GP and he accessed records because back then it wasn't digital, it was all on bits of paper. And he managed to find two letters. One saying, this is what we've done to this lady and it details the fusion. Two the second letter is after the fall on the ice when I had it checked out and it details the pins are still in a good place, everything's okay with the fusion. I've got them two letters at home. So my today consultant still thinks the then consultant <laughs> didn't do what was written down and said, and but it's because they don't know how to process this. All I can say is, whatever God's done and why it's come to to light now, I don't know. Other than to say, God does do the improbable. God does do the impossible. He is capable of doing more than our little tiny brains can understand. And I believe it's because we are entering a season where we are going to see more and more and more that is impossible to us, improbable and unreasonable to us. And we are meant to expect to see these things more and more and more. And so you might think, as I said at the beginning, well, this happens. This is great. This is fantastic. But it does, this kind of thing does not happen to me. Let me tell you, God wants you to change your mindset. Mm. This kind of thing can happen to you. God wants you to experience these kinds of things. He's taken us as a people in this nation into a time of seeing impossibilities become possibilities. And you can experience that.